0: You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green Smith, episode 431. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP431. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing or your partner asks what's bothering you and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development based since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes. Yes! Well, hello, pod people. Amy here, and it is time for part two of understanding and working with the four communication styles. Now, you can certainly listen to this episode first if you so choose. That personally makes my brain a little bit crazy to start with part two instead of part one, but I highly encourage you to catch part one as well. That was episode 430 that we released last week, and we talked about what those four communication styles are, and then we took a deep dive into two of them. So I'm going to do just a very, very quick recap. There are four basic communication styles, passive, aggressive, passive-aggressive, and assertive. So last week, we talked about specifically passive communication styles as well as aggressive communication styles. and If you did not catch last week, I want to let you know that for each of these, I've delved into what they typically sound like, what they look like, what some of their body posture may be, and then we looked at what to do if you use this style frequently, if you find yourself being very passive, or... What to do if you're engaging with somebody passive. So for each of them, there's sort of a a homework assignment of things that you can start working on if you notice any of these styles in in your own way of communicating. What I will also reiterate is that all of these are typically a spectrum. For example, if we're talking about aggressive communication style that does not mean that it always looks like outright abuse and violence and threat. It could be where it's on the opposite end of the spectrum where it's simply very curt, sharp, affirmative language that makes it sound like there's no room for another opinion. There's a huge sliding scale there. Keep that in mind as we dive in today. Another thing that I'll underline and reiterate is that many of us will find that we have varying types of communication styles depending on who we are talking to. It's not uncommon to come from a family of origin where everybody screams and yells to get their needs met, right? Or nobody addresses anything. Everyone's passive or everyone's passive aggressive. But then perhaps in your intimate partnership, you're quite assertive. Or maybe you're the opposite of aggressive and you're a little bit more passive in that relationship. So they can show up in different ways. And I would love for you to pay specific attention to that nuance. Are there ways that I lean on a less effective communication tactic and it's not serving the relationship? For example, perhaps you're extremely passive at your workplace, and you don't speak up, you don't talk about any needs or wants or opinions, but then in other areas of your life, you're extremely assertive, maybe with your best friend or with a partner. That is completely fine. And there's no assigning judgment to any of these, okay? So it's not anything is bad or wrong or anything like that. In fact, most of us, if not all of us, adopt these different types of communication tactics because of defense mechanisms, because that was how we could stay safe in our family of origin or perhaps in our first marriage or when we got into... Academia, we learned a specific behavior, a specific way of communicating that felt safer than any of the alternatives at the time. Huge element of grace there for yourself, okay? The idea behind all of this, and this is kind of what the research has shown as far as communication, is that typically an assertive style of communication is the most effective. So For our purposes today, what I mean by effective is actually fosters connection to that other person and or creates desired change. We're not just digging into this to dismantle old defense mechanisms or as some sort of personal growth project. We're doing it in service of relationship. And if you haven't caught the first two episodes in this communication series, I highly suggest you go back and listen to them. Starting with episode 428, I did a hypnosis episode that's a tool that has a completely free download for you as well if you want the hypnosis track just isolated by itself. And that focus was specifically on Speaking up for yourself and dealing with emotional intelligence, the connection between owning your emotional state and then being able to advocate for what you need. Then episode 429, we talked with Dr. Shamila Kairu about that connection, about what that means to have emotional intelligence and how that is a direct correlation to how we are able to communicate inside of our relationships and how that can foster a deeper connection. And then obviously last week, episode 430 was the part one of the four communication styles. Hoping that there's some meaty nuggets that you were able to extract from some of those episodes to help you cultivate a little bit of a richer connection inside your relationships. Let's dive in and look at the two final remaining communication styles, which are being passive-aggressive, and also assertive, which is what we are kind of working toward. If you caught last week, you'll know that I have renamed these communication styles. Passive, I labeled as the people-pleasers. Aggressives, I labeled as the fighters. And now for passive-aggressive, these are the lions in sheep's clothing, (laughs) okay? The idea behind being passive-aggressive in your communication is that there's an expression of negative feelings indirectly. You're not aggressive in the sense that you're sharing them directly, but it is a behind-the-scenes way to get your negativity across or your that you're disgruntled or that you have a grievance. And we'll talk about what that specifically looks like. Before I do that though, I want to make sure I I tell you the references that I used for this episode. And be sure to check out the show notes because I will link to those articles. One was an article that was from Alvernia University about four types of communication styles. And then another one that I used was from a BetterHelp article around what to do when you recognize passive or passive-aggressive behavior in yourself or other people. Both of those resources were hugely advantageous. Again, they'll be in the show notes for y'all. So with a passive-aggressive style of communication, I typically like to call this doing things to get things. So instead of saying things expressing your needs, sharing what's happening for you. Instead of doing that, we're going to use behavior that is wildly ineffective, but it's an expression of that of that anger, that frustration, that grievance. It's an outlet for it because we don't feel like we have the words to say it clearly and concisely. Now, again, that could be very much rooted in a family of origin situation. A lot of times a passive-aggressive communication style is really learned by family. In fact, sometimes entire family systems are built off of this method of communication. It can also come across a lot as jokes and making things not that big of a deal? Why can't you take a joke when you're actually saying something you're really upset about, but you can't bear that vulnerability, so you make the other person wrong? There's an element of blame that surfaces. Like, oh, what? You can't take a joke even though you just said something incredibly harmful and possibly detrimental. If you tend towards this communication style, let's say you get a criticism at work somebody gives you some feedback or some constructive criticism but perhaps instead of really looking at what you can do better you take it out on them by attention intentionally turning work in late not following that feedback it's not blatantly disruptive it's not blatantly insubordinate it's stealthy it's Behind the scenes, okay? It may also look like if you are really upset or angry at somebody, you might just stop talking to them or give them the cold shoulder or the silent treatment, right? We have those terms to describe passive aggression. This is ghosting, y'all. This is when you, you're not being mean, you're not being outwardly aggressive, but you're upset. Things aren't okay with you. And instead of dealing with that, you choose passivity and to leave the situation altogether. That's ghosting. And you are better than that. And I'm not talking specifically about dating scenarios. I'm talking about friendships, colleagues, people who've reached out to you, your family who's asked you questions that you have avoided. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Now, you can also have Situations where, let's say, somebody upset you, so to punish them in a passive-aggressive way may be putting off their important requests. In fact, I used to have a, a family member who would do this all the time. Another member of the family would ask something of them and say, hey, will you please take care of this, that, the other, we'd appreciate you pulling your weight. And that person would kind of go, uh-huh, sure. Sure and then deliberately not do it. So it might show up like that, or in relationships, maybe you ask a roommate to help with a specific household task, and they don't outright say no. They just simply don't do it. Or, And there can be a lot of nuance in that. It can be that they don't feel like the request was just to begin with. But what you're seeing is the choosing of the outward passivity when there's actually an aggressive negative Tonality beneath the surface. That's the subtext that we would call it in, in the acting world. You could have a partner who is withholding things that they know is very important to you, specifically to inflict hurt or pain. If you know that your partner really prefers to talk things out and you almost want to spite them, you might cold shoulder them for two days. Something like that. In fact, there's a whole concept that John Gottman talks about, and I have referred to him many, many times. I think he's one of the most brilliant minds when it comes to handling ourselves inside of relationships. And if you're not familiar with him, he did an incredible study where he observed couples over a 20-year time frame, and he would watch how they engaged with one another Consistently over time, how they would fight. In fact, he had a place that was called the Love Lab that was essentially apartments where he could view people this was all 100% with consent and only and not in private situations but in sort of their living room area he could view how they engaged with one another and he can predict with it's somewhere in the 90 percentile where he can predict with that much accuracy 90 plus percentile accuracy accuracy if couples will stay together or not simply by how they communicate and he has this concept of turning toward Turning away and turning against. Turning toward somebody, no matter what the situation is, is communicating with an assertive style. Turning away is what we're talking about here. That would be passive or passive aggressive. It's not saying what's actually happening. Turning against would be aggressive. It's more of that fight response. So if passive is the fleeing of the fear response, aggressive is the fight, then passive-aggressive is a little bit of both, <laughs> okay? So it's like a double up on this. Now, if if somebody who is highly passive-aggressive, now this is more swinging on the much farther Uh, I'd say detrimental side of the spectrum, let's just say that's far to the right because that's how I'm viewing this in my mind, if they're extremely envious, they might undermine someone else's successes. They might talk shit about them behind their back instead of handling their own shit and communicating properly with someone else and not taking it out on them. Guilting others, guilting is a huge piece of passive aggressiveness. Instead of talking about what's happening with themselves, what they need, what they're desiring, they blame and guilt. This is your fault. And they might cloak it in something seemingly innocuous. For example, if a parent, let's say, would really, really love grandchildren. They might say to their child, wow, must be nice. Our neighbors just had their fourth grandkid. (laughs) Must be nice. So it's presented in sort of this jokey fashion. So instead of telling that person vulnerably and intimately, I would absolutely love to be a grandparent one day. I don't know what's in the cards for you. But I would love to converse about it and just talk about it, right? In my case, I'd be like, good luck with that. Fuck no. (laughs) But what I'm saying is people are typically not expressing what they're really feeling. They do it in a way that Brene Brown would call being armored up. It's your walls up. It's your defense ready. So instead of saying what's really true for you, you make it a joke. You beat around the bush. You maybe are a little snide. Maybe even outright mean. And that's typically how it might come across. So check in with those, of the, those people in your world who may turn toward guilt trips. That can be a part of being passive-aggressive. If you are angry about failing a task, something that you've done, you might lash out and blame somebody else. So this can be similar to the aggressive style that we talked about last week, where there's a lack of looking at one's own piece in the matter. Typically, passives don't do that as much. They tend to turn inward and look at, why am I the way I am? Or I must have fucked this up. Whereas aggressive and passive-aggressive tend towards that blame, that this is somebody else's fault. And if they were just different, then I could be fine. Another incredibly insidious way that this shows up is string strings attached offers. This is where you actually are fairly manipulative. It's where you're saying things like, "Oh, I would love to babysit your kids" with the intent of hanging that over their head later. To use it for a more malicious intent. I'm going to do this in service of manipulation. Instead of I'm going to tell them exactly what I want or need out of this arrangement. So keep an eye out for strings attached offers. Or people who tend towards those things more frequently. Many passive-aggressive communicators may say something slightly under their breath rather than confront an issue. They might mutter something or turn to somebody else and talk shit instead of, being really forthright about what's happening with them. A lot of times there's a difficulty in navigating anger or emotional intelligence and sometimes their facial expressions won't correlate with how they're actually feeling and can sometimes deny that there is a problem at all. The way I see this show up sometimes is is when people are saying things that are offensive or they're joking about stuff, but they're actually being kind of a dick. And if you call someone out on this, they can sometimes double down and say, oh gosh, you can't take a joke. Like I was mentioning earlier, there's that inability to navigate what's actually happening with them. In fact, I mentioned last week about Atlas of the Heart, which is Brene Brown's latest book. And it's really all about emotional intelligence. It's understanding all of our emotions. And she talks about a study that she did. Uh, I can't remember if it was recently for this book or if it was for one of her other projects, but they polled thousands and thousands of people. I want to say it was like 20,000 people, maybe 17,000, something like that. And they asked them on average, how many emotions that you experience, how many can you identify and, and list them? What are the names? On average, all of those thousands of people said three. Three, y'all. Three emotions that they could identify. Guess what they were? Mad, sad, and happy. <laughs> and if you've heard me talk about anger, anger is a secondary emotion, meaning that there is a primary emotion underneath that. So if you are extremely angry, it's likely that there's something else beneath that surface like shame, disappointment, guilt, frustration, overwhelm, etc. Now, if we lack the emotional intelligence or IQ or language around what it is that we're feeling, that compounds the difficulty in actually speaking up for ourselves. So if somebody who is more passive aggressive doesn't have the capability to truly analyze their anger or analyze what's happening for them, then they sure as fuck aren't going to have a skill set to articulate that well. That's why I felt so strongly about talking about emotional intelligence with dr uh shamala a few episodes back what can it sound like if somebody's passive aggressive i think we all have examples of this but it could be something like that's fine that's fine with me don't be surprised if someone else gets mad about it though right like it's well what do you really want to fucking say <laughs> right or sure we can do things your way and then mutter something to yourself that oh, that's fucking stupid So what do we do about this? If you tend towards passive aggressiveness, I want you to practice restating what you really mean. Now, it's likely that you won't be able to do that until you start excavating for what you really mean in certain situations. And that's typically going to be an after-the-fact situation. It's likely that you're going to have an altercation with somebody or you're going to have something that feels like a confrontation that's uncomfortable. And then you will have to debrief that with yourself or a therapist or coach or whoever and look at it and go, okay, what was it that I was so uncomfortable about? And what did I say? I said, oh, wow, that must be nice to take that much time off of work. But what I really meant to say in that moment was – To be honest, I've been really struggling with my work and if I'm candid, I'm a bit envious and I apologize. That wasn't yours to carry. So you can always circle back if you don't catch yourself in the moment, which I'll be realistic with you, it takes years to genuinely catch yourself in the moment and reroute what you meant to say. Most of the time, it's gonna be a circle back. It's gonna be recognizing wow, that shit did not go well, let me analyze it. Digging through it, finding where you could strengthen your communication, and then circling back and owning that shit. So let's say you did make that comment like, wow, must be really nice to take off work when you're being kind of aggressive, but you're saying something kind of nice. (laughs) But you can feel it, it's palpable. That's a situation where you can circle back and own your shit, One of the most powerful skills of communication that people would rather pull their teeth out than actually use is to employ vulnerability. So in that example, that was a vulnerable thing to do, to circle back and say, if I'm really honest, I've been in a rough place with my work, and I really shouldn't have made that passive-aggressive comment to you. I'm truly, truly sorry, and I'm working on it. And owning your shit. So much of the time, our tough conversations can be mitigated by using an element of vulnerability. And what the fuck does vulnerability mean? Simply expressing what you are really feeling. So, do you see the emotional intelligence connection coming back? It's incredibly important. Otherwise, We can just very easily reside in that resentment, that blame, well, you did this to me, instead of really recognizing our role in the matter. Now, as you become more attuned at this, you can catch yourself in the moment. So let's say you do make a snide comment. Let's go back to the the person desiring to be a grandparent. And let's say you make a comment like, Well, yeah, so my sister is a grandparent yet again, must be nice, and you catch yourself and you go, you know what, let me take that back. I am so sorry that I just said that. That is my own shit, and I should not be putting that on you. What I meant to say is I would really, really love to have grandchildren, and I truly respect whatever your decision is around procreating. It's catching yourself in the moment, and that takes a lot of practice. So I don't want to start you off with that. I think it's way more about what I like to call declaring the do-over, analyzing a situation that didn't go well, and then going and cleaning up the mess if there is one. And you can do that by text. You can do however you choose to do it, right? Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Let's Get Checked for sponsoring this podcast. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing super easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Well, testing for what, you might ask? Well, they have a huge array of at-home testing kits, including women's health, men's health, sexual health, and wellness kits. In fact, I did two of the women's hormone testing kits, And it could not have been easier. And then when I received the results, I was able to simply forward them onto my naturopath to get her thoughts. All you do is you simply choose your test online. It will be delivered to you in discreet packaging with next day delivery. And then once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Once your results are available, they'll be reviewed by a physician, and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. And in some cases, a physician will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of your choosing. Let's get checked. Laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. Let's get checked lets you avoid uncomfortable office visits by providing you with access to home testing and professional medical consultations without ever leaving your home. It has never been this simple to get tested. So get this. If you want to try a test from Let's Get Checked, all you got to do is go to trylgc.com slash truth to save a whopping 30% on your first test kit. 30%. Just use the code boldtruth, all one word, at checkout. That's boldtruth to save 30% on your first test kit. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where well here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? Please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness, and all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to Amy Green Smith dot com slash speaking where they can get in touch with me because listen, it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice, take up space, and advocate for their wants, needs, and opinions like yesterday. And if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group, you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me. (laughs) And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. Now let's jump back into today's topic. Now if you are engaging with someone passive-aggressive, this can be a little stickier because like I said... Many times, it's their armor, and they don't really love being called out on it and can typically double down and make you wrong even further. Can't take a joke. Why are you so sensitive? God, you're so emotional. Making you wrong. So calling out the passive-aggressive behavior, I think, is really important. However, how you do it, I think, is is also really important. Again, working with that vulnerability, being softer in how you communicate. If you retaliate with an aggressive communication or uh, making them wrong, sort of as penance, it can just exacerbate the entire situation. So it might sound something like this. I'll be honest, I'm a bit unclear about what you might be implying. You're saying things that sound pretty agreeable, but your behavior is indicating that you aren't really happy with that situation. I genuinely would like to get your true thoughts on the matter. So this is, again, very difficult (laughs) to master. So it's going to take some time. Now, If they do double down and they do make you wrong, God, you're so emotional. God, you're so this. That's when you say, I'm genuinely looking to connect with you and I really don't appreciate you dismissing how I'm feeling. You just continue to call out the behavior. You don't argue about the actual topic, okay? You don't say, "Well, this is the right way or that's the wrong wrong way." You don't do that. You talk about how the person is communicating. The same way when I talked about aggressive styles, you don't Argue about who's right or wrong. You don't say, No, I'm not mean, or That's not true. I didn't do that. You don't do any of that. You say, I'm happy to continue this conversation as long as you speak kindly to me. Or it's okay for you to be upset. It's not okay for you to speak to me in that way. We're talking about the communication. We're not talking about the issue at hand. We're not talking about the actual joke. We're not talking about the name calling. We're talking about the method of communication. But that's where we get derailed so much is we get baited into who's right, who's wrong. Pleading our case. So with passive aggressiveness, again, it's not about the topic. It's about how they are communicating. So I'm I'm a bit unclear on what you're implying Or I'm sure this is not your intent, but that does come across fairly passive-aggressive. Or that comment seemed very dismissive of what we're actually talking about here. I would genuinely love to hear what you need out of this arrangement or what you prefer or what you're desiring, right? giving them that space and then it's up to them and then you may have to continue to boundary and say listen I don't think this conversation is is really going well I'm going to politely excuse myself and y'all when I say this has taken me decades this is taking me motherfucking decades I mentioned last week I used to be fairly passive I was gregarious, I was loud, I was outspoken, but only in fun ways. (laughs) When it came to really expressing what I needed and wanted, I was passive with most people in my life. Not necessarily Mr. Smith, that kind of has always been fairly easy and amazing (laughs) as you throw your phone across the room, but everybody else in my life, bosses, friendships, I had to practice Over and over and over again, what it meant to actually assertively communicate. Let's talk about the fourth and final method of communication, which we're kind of shooting for. This is the assertive method of communication. I like to call this one the powerhouse. Why would I name it the powerhouse? Because I truly feel. When you begin to assert yourself, you find your voice and you actually use it, you begin to access a level of personal empowerment that you did not even know was possible. And I'll tell you why that's the case. When we are not able to communicate what's truly happening for us, not only do we not get our needs met, but especially if you tend towards being passive aka the people pleasers, you're sweeping it under the rug, you're not saying what's there for you, if you are routinely silencing yourself, you are sending that message over and over to your subconscious that other people's wants, needs, and opinions matter more than you, matter, matter more than yours. What does that do then? That cements the belief that I am not enough, I am not worthy I am not lovable. I am not deserving. I don't have value. However you would name worthiness, it's directly tied to your sense of self-worth. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We don't believe that we're enough, so we keep putting everybody else first. We keep communicating passively. And it keeps reinforcing that we're not enough. So your self-worth depends on you gaining this skill. It depends on you to begin to assert yourself. And we can do this in baby steps. I've seen this with so many of my clients. It doesn't usually look like this big, come to Jesus, sit down, tough conversation with somebody. Most of the time, it's these little instances that you used to let slide or you would use a joke. It's those those moments where you go, actually, I find that fairly offensive, or you know what, I'm not really in agreement, so I'm gonna politely excuse myself from this conversation. It starts with those very small interactions. So let's talk about the powerhouse, the assertive method of communication. It is typically the most effective. That is why we are shooting for it, so that we can get our needs met, so that we can articulate what's going on with us, so that we can foster connection. That is one of our deepest drivers as humans is to connect with others. If we have a limited emotional acuity, if we have limited language around what's happening with us, we have less ability to intimately connect with other people. Assertive communication is often An open communication link without being forceful, overbearing. You can still be extremely concrete in your own values and in your deal breakers or your boundaries and be loving and kind. This is where I have adopted the whole concept of speaking up for yourself without being a dick. It's these concepts that we typically look at as a paradox. We don't think of being able to speak up for yourself without being a bitch, which is such a fallacy. This is where the grace and kindness element comes in. It's assertiveness paired with grace and kindness. An assertive communicator can express their needs, their desires, ideas, and feelings while also considering the needs of others. There isn't necessarily a threat to who you are or what you believe by allowing someone else to share what's happening for them. You can still say, unfortunately, that's not going to work in this dynamic without being like, you're fucking wrong and you're this and you're such a dick and blah, without name calling. You can very simply say, hey, I don't think that that's going to work out for this relationship, this project, et cetera. It really is an aim for both sides to win in a situation. It's balancing your own thoughts and needs, the rights of you with the rights of others. It's highly collaborative. And I think it would be inclusive. It's sort of the opposite of dismissal, it's going, okay. Let me hear and see you. That doesn't mean that I'm going to agree. And that also doesn't mean that I'm going to acquiesce and do whatever it is that you want to do. But I'm going to view you as somebody deserving respect. Now, this does not fucking apply in abusive situations, <laughs> okay? And if this is something I discuss a lot with my students and clients, that the advice that I give people when they are dealing with somebody who is an outright verbal or physical abuser is very different than healthy communication that I teach people who are engaging with the everyday average human in their life. So if there are threats being made and things like that, that, that's not what I'm talking about. That priority for yourself is not necessarily to speak up. It is to take care of your safety. I mentioned that a lot talking about the aggressive communication style last week. And I think that warrants repeating that, yes, assertiveness, communicating with assertiveness is always going to be the goal unless your safety is threatened. A perfect example would be, let's say you are a part of a marginalized community. Maybe you identify as queer which is something that I actually identify as. However, I am in a very straight-passing, hetero-passing relationship. (laughs) So I don't think I'm the best example for this. But let's say that you're in a situation where you're surrounded by very aggressive individuals who clearly do not accept the queer community and, in fact, are quite violent towards that grouping. In that situation, assertiveness is not on the docket. Okay, this is not the time to stand up and say all these things. It is far more important that you cater to your own safety in those situations because your voice matters and we need you to get to a place where you're safe enough to use it. And we need more of you. (laughs) So if you're physically in danger, we need to get you to a place of safety. Okay, so. I think that really is a great caveat to keep in mind around assertiveness because that is going to be different depending on the marginalized communities that you're a part of. I can speak to being a woman. If I'm in a situation where there's a bunch of men who are highly aggressive, that's probably my time to take care of my physical well-being to make sure that I am safe and to remove myself from the situation. Not go on a feminist diatribe, (laughs) okay? And this could be true for racial situations. This could be true for ableism or, God forbid, ageism stuff. Like, always safety first. Okay. With that caveat. Assertive communication styles will also typically embody more of a confident body language. I would say it can be either extremely confident where the shoulders are down, the chest is held high, it's a, it's a very erect, great posture, or it's an invitational posture. So that's going to be dependent on the nature of the relationship, how intimate it is. So if you are able to, let's say, come out from around your desk, if you're delivering feedback to a subordinate and you can sit directly next to them, that is going to foster so much more of an invitation to collaborate versus something that we talked about last week with the more aggressive postures or even a passive that starts to kind of – shrink away a little bit, sometimes. These are obviously generalizations and not the case in every situation, of course. Now, what would assertive communication sound like? I wanna give you a couple of phrases and then I would love for you to workshop these depending on when you need to speak up. What are the verbiage snippets that you need in your back pocket in order to start practicing being more assertive. Now, I will tell you one of the reasons why these roll off my tongue all the time is because I practice them all the time. And a lot of times my students and clients, I will give them the assignment of rehearsing them in the mirror. Actually rehearsing these just like you were performing in a play. They don't come naturally until you really learn the lines. Then you're able to deliver them without even thinking about it. So it might sound something like this. I'll be honest that I was left feeling a bit unsettled about our interaction yesterday, and I would love to have a deeper conversation about what transpired. Okay, assertive, I'm not feeling well about how things went down. Can we talk? So you're saying something vulnerable about what you are feeling, and you are ask, making a specific request of what you would like from that person. That's definitely assertive. Now, if you are dealing with somebody passive-aggressive, I used a similar example earlier. I'm not sure if this was your intent or not, but I found that comment quite offensive and and or I found that that comment quite dismissive or I found that that comment a bit unsettling. Can you elaborate a little bit more about what you meant? Something like that, asking for the clarity, being vulnerable about how it landed with you. Now, vulnerability when used in this way, I think is unfucking believably powerful. And A lot of times in our society, we get this notion that vulnerability means weakness. It doesn't. It means it's a motherfucking superpower. In fact, I did an episode on the pod specifically about vulnerability, so we'll definitely link to that in the show notes as well. It might also sound like, I would really appreciate it if you didn't talk like that around me. Simple. Boom. No further explanation needed. We are equally entitled to express ourselves respectfully to one another. I'm happy to hear what you have to say, and I do so hope that you return that respect to me as well. Also, learning to say no, you all, that is assertive. We'll link to the most recent saying no pod because there's lots of little nuances in there that can be helpful for you around simply saying I'm unable to commit to anything else at this time, but thank you so much for thinking of me. I really appreciate you reaching out. Or I would love to be somebody you could count on for this, but I am at my max. I cannot take on one more thing. I really hope that you can understand that. So Be sure to check the show notes if saying no is a muscle you want to flex a little bit more. And this really is about voicing your needs and desires confidently. It can be also expressed as a, I'm not able to do that, but here's what I can do. That framework is incredibly helpful. I'm hoping that there are some nuggets in here. I definitely have additional pods on Blame, On Speaking Up, Saying No, The Anger Podcast, Vulnerability Podcast. So be sure to check the show notes if there's any specific topic you might need a little bit of a deeper dive into. And next week, I cannot wait to share with you an interview with a colleague of mine. Her name is Mara Glatzel, and she has a podcast called Needy, and she talks all about advocating for your needs what is it? What is it not? What is a want versus a need? Does it even fucking matter? When can needs be manipulated? It's a fantastic conversation. I do so hope you will join us. So I will see you around these parts next week. And remember, you are enough, my friend. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold face truth.